In September of 2017, 40-year-old Lisa got married in Lombardy in Italy. She walked down the aisle in a white dress with her bridesmaids. She cut a three-layer wedding cake and all in front of 70 invited guests. And afterwards, she went on honeymoon to Egypt. But this wasn't a traditional wedding because something was missing. In this wedding, there was no groom. Lisa had got so fed up waiting for Mr. Wright to come along that she decided to marry herself. Now, of course, the ceremony had no legal weight, but it's part of a growing trend around the world for what's called self-marriage or sologamy. Now, people claim that celebrates self-love and acceptance. But the question I had is, have people so bought into this idea that without marriage our lives are meaningless and incomplete and empty, that those who are single need to have a fake wedding in order to make them feel loved and valued. Because that's not how God sees singleness. In God's sight, singleness is not a second-class life. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul taught that there were advantages in singleness. So we're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to follow on from last week, uh, breaking in in verse 25 and reading down to verse 40. So if you have a Bible, open it up and, and follow down with me. If not, just listen on as I read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it was not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good. 
not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he's acting improperly towards the virgin he's engaged to, if, and if she is getting on in years, and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning, they should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. In this section, Paul is speaking clearly to, to those who are single. And that's a, a large proportion of our population. The last census stated that 41% of those over the age of 15 were single. That's over one and a half million people. But this passage isn't just relevant for those who are single today. This passage is for all of us. After all, all of us were born single, weren't we? None of us were born married. And in all likelihood, about half of us who are married today will become single again when our partners die. And of course, in heaven, we'll all be single again. Singleness is a big part of all of our lives. And as we saw a few weeks ago, Paul himself was single. So Paul is writing here from his own personal experience. So what did Paul preach, teach us about singleness? Well, first of all, this passage emphasises our prerogative, our right to choose. We have the freedom to personally choose between getting married or staying single. Paul gave that choice to those who had never been married. He said in verse 28, If you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. And he gave this choice also to those who've been widowed. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes. And he also set out this choice for those who were engaged to be married. He says, if anyone thinks he is acting improperly towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if she's getting on in years, And he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He's not sinning, he should get married. So if a guy felt that he ought to get married to the woman that he's engaged to, maybe he felt that he was leaving or waiting for too long, or maybe just because he really wanted to get married, then he should get married. That's not a wrong thing to do. In fact, it's a good thing to do. But if he wanted to, 
he could choose not to get married. Look at verse 37. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. Now there is a little bit of uncertainty about the translation here. I don't know if you have a different translation there. You might have it slightly different. Or you can see in the footnotes of the NIV that there is some uh, uncertainty about exactly what that passage is saying. It's possible this passage is referring to dads, whether they should allow their, their, their daughters to get married or not. But the principle is clear within this passage. As Christians, we can choose to get married or as Christians, we can choose to stay single. Both of these are good choices. Now, obviously, there are some conditions to this choice. If we choose to stay single, then this means that we choose to stay celibate. Because we need to flee from sexual immorality. Remember we talked about that in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. That sex outside of marriage is always immoral in God's eyes. So if we're choosing to singleness, then that means celibacy. But if we choose to marry, then this marriage must be a biblical marriage. Between one man and one woman in a lifelong, loving, exclusive relationship. And with somebody who is a believer. As Paul says in verse 39, he must belong to the Lord. The Bible is consistent in this, that Christians should always choose to marry another believer. But the emphasis here is that both pathways in life are right and honourable and good. One is not more spiritual than the other. One is not more godly than the other. That's because both marriage and singleness are good gifts from God. Remember what Paul wrote in chapter 7, verse 7? Each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, it may not feel like those are good gifts. There are some people who are married who wish they were single. And then there are some people who are single who wish they were married. But if God has given us the gift of marriage, then we should gladly accept this gift and treasure it and honour it. And if God has given us the gift of singleness, then we should equally accept this gift and treasure it. But of course, that's not all often the way that this world looks on singleness. We live in a world where to be single is often seen as to be sad and lonely and empty. So many books and and movies start with someone who is single and whose life is empty and unfulfilled because of that. 
But the, the movie ends, or the book ends, when the person finally falls in love and gets married and, and lives happily ever after. But Paul didn't buy into that narrative. He believed that when Jesus said, I have come to give that they may have life and to have and have it to the full, that was for single people too. Paul believed in the sufficiency of Jesus and his cross to bring us into life in all its fullness, whatever our marital status. That abundant life is not just for married people or not just for single people. It's for all of us who are here and who have trusted in Jesus. In fact, although Paul gave single people the choice of whether to marry or not, Paul's preference, as he expressed here, was that they would stay single. Look at verse 26. I think it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Don't look for a wife. Now that's similar to what we looked at last week, if you were here. Whatever our marital status, whatever the circumstances or the situation of our life, Paul advised us staying the way that we are. If married, stay married. If single, stay single. Now that's not based on any direct teaching from Jesus. But these Corinthians could trust what Paul expressed here. Because he was trustworthy. He says this in verse 25. I have no command from the Lord. Jesus didn't teach this directly, he said. But I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So we can't dismiss this teaching claiming that Paul, well, he's just against marriage. He just didn't like marriage. Come on, remember. Paul has already taught that marriage is something that God designed and that husbands and wives should honour marriage not just because of the covenant of marriage that they've entered into but also and even more importantly because marriage is a wonderful picture of the wonder of our intimate, satisfying, faithful and eternal relationship that we have with Christ. Our marriages point to Jesus. And so we should honour marriage. But as well as that, Paul here spoke as an apostle. He was commissioned by Jesus to speak for him. And in writing this, Paul was being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 40, he says, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. So we need to take seriously what Paul taught here. We can't just dismiss it and say, oh, well, that's just Paul's idea. Paul believed that getting married was a good choice. But he also believed that staying single was an even better choice. Said verse 38, he who marries a virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. 
Now that went against his culture. The traditional culture believed that marriage was essential because you had to have kids and you had to leave a legacy behind. That was your duty. That was what life was about. But what Paul writes here also goes against our culture where the idea of satisfaction requires that sexual fulfillment in life. So why did Paul say this? Why was Paul saying that singleness as well as marriage were good options for believers? Well, it's because Paul believed that there were advantages in being single. Verse 35, I'm not, I, am, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you. Paul wasn't giving these rules or these, this, this advice in order to kind of limit people or to minimize the fulfillment of their lives. This teaching was to help them, to encourage them, to bless them. In fact, later on he said to widows, in my judgment, she's happier if she stays as she is, as a single person. So far from being a problem to be fixed, or a difficulty to avoid, Paul believed that there were advantages in singleness. But why? Why did Paul believe that? Well, look at verse 26. Because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for you to remain as you are. Now, there's lots of debate about what that actually means. Lots of debate about what the, the present crisis that Paul referred to here actually is. Some people think that it was a specific Difficult time that the Corinthians were either going through or were about to go through. Maybe some persecution or some economic problem. And so Paul was saying here that that things are just so bad just now that it's better not to get married just now. Other people think that Paul was thinking that Jesus was going to come back really soon. And so there was no point in getting married. Because Jesus was coming back soon. But maybe the best way of looking at this is to understand that the present crisis is this whole period of time from Jesus' first and second comings. This present time is difficult and distressing. Because although we are already children of God through faith in Jesus, we're still living in this present fallen world. God's kingdom has come into our lives, but we've not yet fully entered into the experience, the joy of that. And so when Paul said the time is short, He wasn't saying exactly that he knew when Jesus was coming back, because he didn't. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Jesus made that really clear. Instead, Paul was reminding them that this world is not going to be here forever. This world is not our home. 
And so we're still waiting for, we're still longing for, we're still living in the hope of the day when Jesus comes back for us to take us home. So this world, in its present form, is passing away. And that means that we shouldn't be too attached to it. We should live each day in the reality that we are on our way home. That we are heading for home. So Paul says in verse 29, So from now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Now we need to be really clear how we understand this, okay? This is not an excuse for us to go off and do whatever we want if we're married. Neither is it a case of guys that we can just sit back and, and not do anything for our wives. We are called, remember, to fulfill our marital duties. The start of this chapter, chapter 7, said that really clearly. We need to love our partners. We need to live out fully our married lives. That's how we honour God in our marriages. But the fact that this world is passing away means that our marriages must not be our sole focus. We mustn't think that our relationship with our partner is our ultimate relationship. Because marriage is for just now. It's not forever. And that's the same when we mourn, or when we are happy, or when we buy, or when we use stuff. Look at verse 30 to 31. Paul just expands this out to every aspect of our, of our lives. Those who mourn should live as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use those things of the world as if not engrossed in them. Look, none of those things are wrong. Of course they're not wrong. Mourning is not wrong. Being happy is not wrong. Buying stuff, using stuff is not wrong. But it's just that none of those things are of ultimate importance. Because none of those things will last forever. They belong to this world. And this world, with all of its good and bad, is passing away. Folks, we are citizens of heaven. So we should be living with that heavenly focus. And so when it comes to singleness, Paul says it's good to remain single as a Christian because as a Christian we are not forced into thinking that we need to get fulfillment of our every desire in this world. We do not need to think that if we are not happy and content and satisfied and fulfilled in this world, then we're missing out. Because as Christians, we're looking forward to Jesus' return. When He will fill our hearts in a way that nobody can. Our hearts were ultimately designed for Jesus. And only He can fully satisfy us. Secondly, Paul advised this for single people to remain single because those who marry will face many troubles 
in this life. And I want to spare you this. Now, us people who are married are going to be very careful about nodding too enthusiastically about this verse, aren't we? But it's true. Some people talk as if marriage is the answer to all of the problems in our life. Once you're married, then you're sorted. You live happily ever after. But of course, that's not true. Even in the happiest of marriages. And by the way, I am very happily married, just in case you were wondering. Singleness does have its challenges, doesn't it? It can be incredibly difficult to be faithful in living for God as a single person. Especially in the world we live in. It does involve us responding to Jesus' call when he said that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the call of Jesus for single people. But it's also the call of Jesus for married people. Because marriage also has its challenges. It can be incredibly difficult to faithfully live for God as a married person. And marriage involves denying ourselves and taking up our cross daily and following Jesus. So marriage is a a wonderful gift from God and brings amazing blessings into our lives. But it also brings additional troubles and challenges and cares and responsibilities that single people don't face. And for that reason, singleness frees us to make a priority of serving the Lord. Look at verse 32. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. And Paul goes on to to apply that to to unmarried women in the same way. Those who are married are called to serve the Lord with all their heart. Each day they are called to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. But they also have additional responsibilities. They need to consider their husband or their wife. They need to set aside quality time for their partners. They need to care for their needs. They need to seek to please and honour them. And that's not wrong. That's a God-given responsibility. But it can distract us from following Jesus. Oriel was mentioning uh, idolatry a couple of weeks ago. How we can raise things or people to be idols in our life. And one of those idols can be our husbands or our wives. And we can be completely distracted from following Jesus. 
But those who are single, they don't have those distractions. They don't have those additional responsibilities. And so they can be more single-minded in their devotion to the Lord. Now, I want to be really clear here. This does not mean that only single people can really serve the Lord. That's not what Paul's saying here. Paul, he was a single man. Peter, he was a married man. Both of them were apostles of Jesus. Both of them served the Lord. Both of them honoured God with their lives. But what this does mean is that we must not see singleness as a problem to be fixed or a difficulty to bear. But rather see it as an opportunity to take. To serve the Lord with more freedom and focus and undivided devotion. I'm just reminded of a, of a, a seminar that a friend of mine went to. Uh, we were at a conference together. He was a single guy. And he went to this single uh, seminar, a seminar for single people. And he came back very discouraged because it was basically on how to find a wife. Paul would not agree with that kind of seminar. Singleness is not a problem to be fixed. It's an opportunity to serve the Lord as a single person. Just like being married is not a problem to be fixed. It's an opportunity to serve the Lord as a married person. So singleness is not a problem. It's a gift. But it's not a gift for everyone. But neither marriage. Marriage isn't a gift for everyone either. A couple of weeks back, we were looking at Matthew 19, when Jesus taught about God's design for marriage, how it's to be lifelong and exclusive. And the disciples, they were listening to this, and this is what they said in response to what Jesus said. If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. In their minds, if they couldn't get divorced, then they would be better not to get married in the first place. But listen to how Jesus replied. Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men. And others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept this. Marriage is not for everyone. Some people are just not cut out for it. Some people don't have the freedom to choose it. But some people choose singleness because it gives them greater freedom and opportunity to live for Jesus and point people to Him. So folks, we don't need to be like Lisa in the story at the start of message. Or like so many others 
who think that life without marriage is incomplete and empty and meaningless. If we are single today, or if we'll be single in the future, then we can trust that Jesus is enough for us. He is ultimately who our hearts are longing for. And He will walk with us through our lives and empower us to overcome the difficulties that we face and enable us to make the most of the opportunities that we have so that we can serve Him wholeheartedly as we wait for Him to come back again and to take us to our eternal home.